Hi everyone, this is Mind the Shift and I am Anders Bolling. I am thrilled about today's topic, which can be described as a tool as well as an explanatory model for life. To me, it's very natural and I've been using it since I was a child, but to most people, it's actually controversial. It can be a bit difficult to discuss this subject with people in the mainstream, especially with men. Uh, so although I have been fascinated by astrology and seen the truths in it since I first encountered it at age eight or nine or something like that, I have for the most part kept that fascination to myself. There are only a handful of people that I've been able to discuss it with, notably with my ex-wife who is also a soulmate. So I'm not only proud in general to introduce to you one of the world's, in my view, one of the world's best astrologers to the show today. It's also something of a special occasion for, my per, for, for me personally, perhaps a little bit like coming out, <laughs> as it were. <laughs> so a warm welcome to Mind the Shift, Pam Gregory. Thank you so much, Anders. It's a real joy to be with you. Thank you. And I'm also glad that you're here because uh, I had to wait several months uh, for you to find space in your schedule. So it seems like you're very busy. Do you think that's perhaps a sign of something happening in, in society, a sign that people are more getting more interested in astrology or how do you? Yeah, I think it's probably it? two things because, you know, the volume is, is really immense, sort of seven days a week. Um, I think it's partly people are, some people are afraid and need guidance, but an, another group of people are waking up, waking up to something greater than, than self, greater than 3D, our tangible reality. So I think both of those are strong drivers in, in people writing to astrologers and saying, help, you know, what can you do to shed light on, on the current situation? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you're busy because it means that you, you can help a lot of people out there and spread your knowledge and your wisdom. You discovered astrology at the age of 21, I think you... you, you yes, it was, yeah. it was just pure chance, really. Yeah. I'd, um, I'd emigrated to Toronto straight after university. There was a big recession in the UK. I'd, I'd wanted to go to um, Canada since about the age of seven. I started to write to Canada House when I was seven and said, you know, I want to emigrate to Canada. And they said, well, you've got to wait till you're at least 18. They were very okay. polite. But, but anyway, literally, as soon as I'd finished university, I emigrated to Toronto um, with $100 in my pocket. So that was a great adventure, knew no one. And in the first week, um, it was, must have been a huge week for personal growth because I joined a yoga class. There was a chap there that somebody said was an astrologer. So I went up to him, he's a wonderful guy from Jamaica. And uh, I went up to him at the end and said, look, I know nothing about this. I'd love you to do my chart. And he said, just give me date, time and place. And I went to see him the, the next week and I spent seven hours with him. And it oh, really? absolutely blew my world open. And I can remember that as if it was yesterday, sitting in his tiny, tiny flat in Toronto. And it's like, I write about this in the first book, as you know, Anders, but it's like the whole world had cracked open. And there was this whole dimension of meaning that I'd been completely aware of until that mm. point. And he would, you know, he went back with dates and ages in my past, as I do with, with my clients, to kind of partly validate the birth time, but also to validate astrology, because he was just absolutely spot on. And it was very interesting because um, one of the things he said 
was on September the 4th, 1979. That will be a very big turning point in your life. Anyway, in those days, it was on a, on a tape and in various house moves over the time I was in Toronto, I lost the tape. Oh. And while when I was finally leaving Canada to come back to the UK forever, I was packing boxes and came across the tape. So I was playing the recording while I was packing. And it, it said September the 4th, 1979, big turning. And that day was September the 4th, 1979. Oh, really? And it also said by the end of October, that will be one of the greatest highs in your life. And at that, on that very day, 30th of October, I was sitting at 19,000 feet in the Himalayas. So that was a very literal high. So from really from that point on, from meeting him, he was called Asta, which, you know, bizarrely in Latin, Astra is star. So I thought that's oh, quite, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. So from that point on, I have not stopped learning astrology from that point. No. But then you had a so-called ordinary job for 35 years after that uh, in, in the communication industry. And I, I did. What, yeah. what was it that made you eventually decide to to go all in so to speak and and become an, a professional I, I think I always wanted to to do it full time but it was it was partly um, in those earlier days it was hard to sustain yourself to make a living with astrology it was even more peripheral than it is um, than it is today it's much more mainstream today um, but also and I think many of us Anders go through this in our lives that we do the kind of no-brainer you know, we do the conventional corporate no-brainer. You, you yeah, so yeah. for me, it was an interest in communication. It was an interest in psychology. So I spent about sixteen years working in the advertising business, which wouldn't be a choice now. But you know, our values have shifted dramatically. And then I spent twenty years training management people how to make more persuasive business presentations. And then just finally, I thought, you know, I have wanted to do this for so many years full time, and just threw myself into it totally fully about 16 years ago but all the way through that 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 normal day job as it were yeah. I was studying taking exams learning okay. weekends mm. evenings non-stop really mm. Mm. there's been Fantastic. a long time and I'm still learning every day I never stop learning it's vast it's so rich isn't it uh, I mean and you really understand that when you read your book which I have recently read I, I um, devoured it and uh, it was uh Fantastic. And it's it, it has a, a very ingenious title. You don't really believe in astrology, do you? Which <laughs> says so much. I just love that title. It speaks to me because I've, yeah, I, I mean, people like, like you, you yourself before and, and, and myself today, we experience that all the time, but uh, you can't really talk about it. Anyway, in this book, <laughs> exactly. In this book, everything's so enormously well uh, explained and uh, it, I mean how astrology goes perfectly well with the theories about a holographic universe, about uh, a unified energy field, which more and more scientists are talking about today, and of course uh, quantum physics with its uh, you know uh, its non-local causality. Your chapters on how uh, how this all works is I, I think it has a stronger scientific rigor than than most other books on human development that I've read. And you okay. mention so you. many heavyweights, scientific heavyweights in the book, like, I mean, from Plato to Einstein, of course, and uh, uh, David Bohm and, and Carl Gustav Jung, just to mention a few. So I think the many skeptics out there would be surprised. So, uh, and I know that you really would like to delve into, and, and I would very much also delve into the energies of, of these times that we are living in. And we will 
definitely come back to that. But firstly, I would like you to to uh, talk a little bit about how, how you see this working. And I have some theories myself. So uh, if you bear with me, um, <laughs> I will try and give a little bit of uh, how I see it. And, and, and it would be lovely to hear what you think about that. You discuss at length in your book, uh, the planets and the significance of their aspects, of course, but and planets in astrology can mean more than the, the scientifically formal denominated uh, planets of course there the sun for instance is considered as one and there are dwarf planets and all that but amateurs as you know they tend to focus their attention on the zodiac signs and you don't write you don't give those very very much attention in the book so when i am occasionally asked by people to explain how this works i do it in a way that i, I didn't exactly find in your book so i try and give my very ba basic explanation here uh, the way i see it it's like every point in space-time, as perceived from our physical earthly perspective, has its own specific qualities or traits. Well, it's all energies, really, but, but you know my point here. And this view, seeing it that way, moves the thinking away from the simplistic and incorrect idea that the planets and the, the star constellations are affecting us directly. Uh, I, I think it's probably not the constellations themselves that are at work here, but the different kinds of energies reflected in the different parts of the sky. So as seen from the earth, the whole sky is 360 degrees and it can basically be divided into 12 sectors of 30 degrees each and voila, there's the 12 <laughs> zodiac signs. So, so what particular stars are located in the respective sectors is of less significance. It, do, do you follow me here? Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think I'm with you so far. Yeah, I think, I think, I think the whole thing ultimately is about frequency. Yeah. The whole thing is, is, is about frequency. And I think, um, well, firstly, I'd just like to respond that, you know, I think astrology is seen as sun signs. And, yeah. and, and, and literally, you know, people come up to me and say, well, I'm an Aries. What does that mean? <laughs> and honestly, yeah. if it was as easy as 12 sun signs, it wouldn't have taken me 45 years so far and still learning every day, you know, if, if only it were that simple. So, and so I believe every constellation has a particular energy or frequency okay. each planet um it, and and each planet has a kind of it's like um a concept in your consciousness it's an archetype it's it's a it's a symbolism um and they're very different from each other and they're all different parts of our consciousness mm -hmm. and they also have frequency and the aspects between the planets, the geometry between the planets, they also have a frequency. Is it easy and flowing? Is it challenging and kind of clashing? And you start to put all these together because in a birth chart, you, you've got up to about 3,000 variables that you're looking at. So you 3,000? Yes. And it's completely unique, totally unique to you. That will never be repeated yeah. in these 25,800 years ever again. So everybody's special. So you start to look at almost a matrix, if I can use that, <laughs> that word, which has other <laughs> connotations. You're looking at a matrix of frequency and energy of, of the signs, the planets, the geometry between them, and every aspect, every piece of geometry has a different meaning. Um, and then you're looking at the places in the chart, the houses where the planets fall, they have different meaning. So very rapidly, you're into a kind of 97 dimensional jigsaw of mm -hmm. energy and frequency. 
And that's the language of astrology that I'm, I, I, I'm not a psychic, I'm not a clairvoyant, I wish I was, I'm a, I'm a translator of a language which mm. is sacred, but of frequency. Divine symbolism. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. So uh, as within, as without, as above, as below. Absolutely. So it's, it's a reflection of what we actually have inside of us. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. But this leads us also to the, I mean, I, I, I stick to this uh, thinking around these zodiac signs <laughs> since I'm an amateur. You know, the, as far as I know, Vedic astrology, I don't know very much about Vedic or Vedic. How do you pronounce that? Vedic. Yeah, I, Vedic Vedic. I don't know anything about that either. And it's just because they're two very different systems. Yeah, I can just just briefly I, one aspect of it, one one detail. Uh, as far as I understand, it's 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 um, acknowledges the, the scientific fact that the star constellations are seen from this perspective of perspective of the Earth moving on the sky slowly, which means that a person who is born in a certain sun sign today or a certain or has anything in a sign today um, has that in a different zodiac sign than a person born on the same day several hundred years ago but to some people i, I think this is a bit fairly superficial way of looking at it but that should mean superficially that oh then that person must have the qualities of that other sun sign that 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 uh, it has moved into now but i mean Going back to the the reasoning that the, it's all about energies and waves, maybe the qualities, the traits of the the, the certain <laughs> uh, points in space time in these sectors are the same as they have been before. I mean, I, I, it's a blurry question here, but do you do you follow my reasoning? Yeah, uh, uh, it, to be honest, I, I know very little about astrology because it's a lifetime's journey just sticking with the Western astrology and you yes. can get terribly muddled because the zodiacs are about 24 degrees apart. And in Vedic astrology, their zodiac that they deal with is the is the background of the stars, essentially. Mm -hmm. And in Western astrology, it's it's the astrology of the seasons when the sun enters, uh, uh, you know, the solstices and equinox points where the sun enters Aries, Cancer, Libra, Capricorn each year. And that's the orientation, the kind of context for Western astrology. So the two zodiacs are about 24 degrees apart. The the Vedic zodiac is is about 24 degrees behind the Western Zodiac, which we use. So it's ever so easy to get, you know, really stuck in the weeds with this, which is why I just stick to one system, which is enough for one lifetime, probably several. Um, but yes, the, the there's a slippage, if you like, in the constellations yeah. of about one degree every 72 years. Yes, you're correct with that. So over the course of about a lifetime, there's a slippage of one degree, if you're looking at that background of the stars, yes. So how would you interpret that slippage in, in, in Western astrology terms? Would you, would you give it any significance at all? No, I wouldn't really. It's only if you're starting to look at the fixed stars that that becomes mm. important because everything else is moving. All the planets I'm looking at are moving at different speeds all the time. Mm. The moon's mm. moving very quickly, you know, Pluto's moving very slowly. The planets I'm getting very interested in far, far out in deep space have orbits of hundreds of years. So it, everything is moving at different speeds. Yeah. Talking about planets, what about the discovery of new planets? Because that has happened from time to time. Of course, Uranus was discovered in 18-something. 
1781, I think. 1781, and then we have Pluto, of course, in 1931. Yeah, 1930, yeah. 30, yes. <laughs> and so my question is here, do you, what about uh, the energies or the symbolism of these planets? Have they been affecting us all along, uh, unbeknownst to us, so to speak, or did they appear in our consciousness the day we discovered them so that they didn't have any any real significance in our life because we were unconscious about their existence? That's a great question, really good question. My belief is, and many astrologers believe this, that planets are discovered when our consciousness is ready to incorporate exactly. their symbolism. So, which is very relevant to, to right now, in fact. So when Uranus was discovered in 1781, it's remarkable how the, um, the attributes of the archetype are have synchronicity to the time. So Uranus is the plant of revolution. There were many revolutions across Europe at that time. And America was pretty lively then as well. You know, got to get to Pluto in the 19, 1930, that was the splitting of the atom. Think of Pluto, plutonium. So mm, you think mm. of destruction, but rebirth. So very powerful synchronicities occur that link to the symbolism of the planet at the time it was discovered. So if I can say that now, in recent years, since really about 2000, several, um, what they're called, they're, they're orbiting planetary bodies way out in space beyond the realms of Neptune and Pluto. So they move very slowly, 200 years, 300 years orbit. Some of them have been um, defined as dwarf planets and others are just called Kuiper belt objects. They haven't been given a specific title, but these become fascinating. And that's where I really want to put my focus longer term now, because they are very different in quality. They are very quantum in their understanding of reality. They make leaps as opposed to seeing anything in terms of linear, gradual push of 3D and efforting. They're just leaps in, in our evolution. They are all, once I've studied, very connected back to nature, instinctive connection, shamanic connection back to nature. So, you know, for instance, one of them, which is very beautiful, is called Selassia. And she in myth was the wife of Neptune. And what she represents in myth is the shimmering sunlight on the sea, the brilliant sort of iridescent shimmering on the sea. But what I'm starting to feel, it, feel is that she represents this very high quality neutrino and gamma ray light and energy, which is now pouring onto our earth. And you can actually see it. I don't know if you've noticed, Anders, that the light is much whiter these days, because mm -hmm. that is photonic light, that brilliant, you know, almost mountain air, white light is photonic light. It's no longer that softer golden light. So okay. for me, Celestia represents that quality of photonic light, which is pouring into our earth right now. And that's exciting. So the sort of aspects of these new planets that, have, as I say, have only been discovered really in the last 20 years that yeah. are going to stretch our consciousness in terms of yeah. our understanding of our reality and how to create create our reality and how so, to create it. Yeah, the discoveries that we make represent this, they symbolize the, the widening of our consciousness in a way then. Totally, that's absolutely it, yeah. So that's that's what's going to, to unfold eternally. I mean, <laughs> going into the future as well, we will probably discover, I mean, maybe 
other civilizations and other galaxies and other, I don't know, I, I'm just speculating here, but then that will, it will all represent and symbolize a, a widening of our consciousness. That's, that's, that's beautiful. It's, it's very exciting because, you know, they've all been fairly recent since about 2020, as I say, and they are all just, they've got this wonderful concept of, you know, there was that old saying of, oh, I'll see it when I believe it. Mm. And, um, sorry, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. That's the old adage, isn't it? Yeah, I'll yeah. It when I see it. But actually how reality is, is I'll see it when I believe it. And that's really what yeah, those yeah. planets are teaching. Yeah. That yeah. if you can start to live on the inside with the frequency of the reality you want to manifest, it has to manifest externally for you. Because it has yeah. to be a mirror image. It has to be an inner outer match. Yeah. So, so my job, I've got a great job because my job is to help people play their unique sheet of music, their birth chart at a higher level. So they're no longer just playing that that music, that unique sheet of music with a couple of tin spoons, they're playing it magnificently with the London harmonic or you know, any magnificent, you know, that, that they've got a bigger life, a more magnificent life, because what I try to do in those sessions is raise people's frequency. Yeah, I think it's like that in life in general, when you suddenly realize something, then you see new things, you see people in a new way, you see, it's like you see a different person when you suddenly realize that that person has has experienced something that you didn't, didn't that you weren't aware of before i mean so uh, like um, just to illustrate what you said when you i see it when i believe it yes yes and it's got to be that. that internal shift and i think particularly if you're ever in a relationship which you have to stay in because it's you know family or whatever if 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 that that relationship is challenging and difficult, I'll always suggest to people send love to that person. Just pour love towards that person, and the dynamics, bizarre, even without that person knowing you're doing that, the dynamics of that relationship will shift yeah. because there's something different from coming from you. Therefore, the dynamic has to change. Mm. You describe the the astrological birth chart, which is. Um so enormously rich as, as an imprint or a, a blueprint, which is a, a wonderful uh, analogy. I, I have used it myself actually. So I, I think it's brilliant. And uh, so how do you think, <laughs> this is a big question. How do you think it all works with, I mean, life before and before birth and after death? I suppose that if, if anything, continues which i believe it does it's it's what you could describe as our souls or something like that and, and and that's also the entity that that enters when we we are born how do you think um do you think that our souls then if we call it that decide on the exact time of birth and what about then medically planned births yeah, that's I've got three kind of three big answers to the, to this. Okay. I'll hang on to them in my head. Firstly, I do believe that our souls choose that particular birth chart. In fact, I follow an ascended master who I followed for many years who has great wisdom. And he recently said that your soul chooses the moment of incarnation within two minutes of either side and with within a five kilometer radius. So oh, if really? you're going to be born. That's on specific. Side, <laughs> 
it's that's how narrow your window of incarnation is so if you're going to be born on the side of a motorway you will be born on the side of a motorway because that is the birth chart your soul has chosen which yeah. is quite remarkable now i think that is also very reassuring for people who have had tough childhoods because mm. often if you've had a really extreme dysfunctional childhood and you think oh poor me i've always been a victim you know had terrible time terrible and that script can carry on through life but if you can make that person understand that the soul chose it in order to take that person on a deeper journey in order to come back full circle to shine more light in the world, then that mm. bad ch- that tough childhood acts as, as fuel or fertilizer for that person's growth. And therefore you also give that childhood, me- uh, that childhood meaning. It wasn't just a tough time, it was an incredible period of galvanization for your soul's growth. So that can often help to shift the whole perspective on a horrible childhood from victim to survivor and hero. Mm. And that mm. shift in itself is a big thing for people. The yeah. second answer um, I would give, this is very, very interesting about um, medically assisted births, you know, cesareans, etc. because a big study was done by um, a French statistician by Gauquelin. Um, this was back in the last century, but he did all manually, he didn't even have computers then, he did thousands and thousands and thousands of birth charts. And what he discovered, the angles of the chart, there's a horizontal and vertical axis like crosswires in a compass. And if the birth was completely natural, then there was a 95% chance that the baby would have at least one of the axes the same as the mother, sometimes both axes. The mother is very likely to have one of her axes the same as her husband, because that's how relationships work as well. And Mm. so there's a kind of family link up here. If the birth had medical intervention, those angles became more random didn't have the you know the very high correlation but nevertheless I still believe in the overriding principle of that's what your soul chose I believe the Mm. soul even chose the medical intervention another answer to that very excellent question of yours is my second book was about the nodal axis in the chart the nodal axis is is linked to the orbit of the moon Mm. and actually in Vedic astrology and it's the only link I have with Vedic astrology If you sit down with a Vedic astrologer, that nodal axis is the most important thing in the entire chart. That's the dominant feature. Typically in Western astrology, it's been a kind of add on in the last five minutes. You'll talk about the nodal axis. But in this is a very soul based thing. It operates at a completely different level to really to the rest of the chart, I think, because it's entirely soul-based. The South Node represents our past life Mm. or past lives, what the soul has already experienced and mastered. And the North Node is our compass needle of where our soul's growth heads has has to head in our in this lifetime in order to feel satisfied and fulfilled and it's new territory it's unfamiliar so it doesn't feel comfortable feels quite scary but unless we go there our soul won't grow enough in this lifetime we keep falling back on comfort zone done that mm-hmm. being there you know easy things for us um, in this lifetime we're not going to grow fully so when i was writing that second book the north node of the nodal axis became for me, the chart was no longer circular. (laughs) It was Mm. kind of like an arrowhead Mm. for the soul that 
the North Node became the dominant feature in the chart and all the rest of the planets became the cavalry to support mm. that soul's evolutionary growth. Okay, yeah. That's the main direction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. So, so the shape of the chart in my mind almost became like a, um, a compass needle, like an arrow. And you yeah. have to follow that and everything else in the chart will support it. Yes, I'm leaving Capricorn and going towards Cancer. I know that. <laughs> okay, great. Fantastic. Well, that's wonderful. That's about yes, you so, nurturing, getting the best yeah, of people. It's very because, lovely, uh, actually. I kind of feel that my my life uh, path is is going that direction. So I'm I'm feeling a little bit more motherly and uh, nurturing now than I did when I was younger. I think so. That's good. Then, yeah, it's it's fascinating. I've, I've also only just recently read a little bit more about the, the nodal axis and and what's happening there. So yes, you did answer the the question about the the. The medically assisted births also and yeah. uh, sorry sorry Anders, just before we leave that because it's quite interesting when there are strong aspects to the nodal axis mm -hmm. for instance when you have a you know pluto coming up to your north node or, or your south node, it doesn't matter it's an axis either end doesn't matter or neptune or you you have um, a nodal return or an inverse nodal return when they're triggers to that nodal axis yeah I mean, I experienced this intensely when I was writing the second book. You often have very profound past life experiences. And they're often things which were stuck in a past life, which are leaking into this life and affecting this life. So mm. the triggering by other planets of that nodal axis as we move through time, I know time doesn't exist, but that's a whole other discussion. Um, it can bring up those past life experiences in order for them to be released which will release them from the past life and the current life and any future life. Well, actually, it's all parallel, isn't it? Disney yeah, but we, I mean, we experience time on this earth plane, so that's, we have to talk about time anyway. Then there's deep time, deep time or primordial time or what they're talking about. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, excellent. That's, that's wonderful. Uh, so I have so many questions. I, I don't think I have time to, to delve into the, the details about sun science and th things like that. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about. We'll soon come to the times we live in. But if we go back in time, time doesn't exist, but we experience time here on Earth. So if we go back in time in history and in research a little bit, uh, can you talk a little bit about the history of astrology? It was respected and then fell, fell from grace uh, around the time of Newton, was yes. it? Yes, yes, very much so. Um, now, I have to say I'm getting a bigger um, perspective on astrology. It may well have existed for way more than 6,000 years. Oh, yes. Yes, Could I believe so too. Us, yeah, I'm sure yeah, you sympathize. Just listen to Michael Tellinger. And, and, and it, absolutely. You know, this <laughs> could have been brought to us by the galactics many, many thousands of years Who ago. Knows? I actually believe that I've been told I was one of those that brought astrology to the Earth, but that's a whole other story. But in known <laughs> history... It began, certainly we know, um, in ancient Mesopotamia, when writing and arithmetic began. Of course, we had no cinemas or televisions or computers to entertain us, and people were just living open to the skies. And they started to observe. We can see, obviously, out to Saturn by the naked eye. And they started to observe the planets and the cycles of the planets, and they started to give meaning to them. You know, they developed the whole concept of Mars, which is the red planet being a god of war because they noticed it would be prominent at times of war. Um, you know, Saturn would be about um, discipline and, and being the master and all that sort of thing. So they started to give them particular 
qualities or attributes which were the early stages of the archetypes and they told us each other stories about the gods that lived on these planets mm. and I have to say <laughs> 6,000 years on I am still using those archetypes as my bread and butter every day yeah so there's something you know again great synchronicity here but mm -hmm. they they mm -hmm. they observe the qualities of the planets as elements of our consciousness extremely accurately because I'm still using them now and astrology, you know, for many, many centuries was really part of the, um, the elite, the educated. It was used by the Babylonian priests. Um, it was used to advise monarchs all through history. It was it, it, even the Pope through till the Middle Ages had a, a, an astrologer to guide him. It was part of university education, but it was very much part of the educated classes. And then Newton came in and quite rightly through his kind of laws of reason, if you like, he couldn't make astrology work measurably because no. he, the planets were too far away to have any gravitational effect. Yeah. Therefore, it was bunkum, yeah. Yeah. essentially. And so this so-called age of reason, you know, or age of science mm. actually threw astrology to the periphery of society as just being superstition and there was no rationale no. for it scientifically you couldn't prove it so it was just rubbish and then it just really deteriorated into kind of farmer's almanacs and all of that yeah. kind of thing and it's really only been in our in our lifetimes really since the sort of early nine well a little bit more than our lifetimes but early 1900s with the theosophists and madame blavatsky and all of that, steiner all of that and then eventually carl gustav jung and krishnamurti brought it into more modern psychology to have the kind of astrology that we have today that is available to individuals of any place in society it isn't just the monarchs it isn't just the elites it isn't just you know highly religious but it's 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 really part of our everyday life anybody can access it mm. and so we've learned a kind of psychological astrology over the last hundred years or so which is much more useful than practical i think in our everyday life so it's changed a lot since the early mm. 1900s mm. perhaps leaders have used it more than the official story will will have it Absolutely. all along i mean Absolutely. I mean, if you go back to Elizabeth I in England, she had a, a wonderful astrologer, Dr. John Dee, who um, was really her, her ambassador. She used to send him abroad to be her spy. And he advised her on everything. He was a brilliant mathematician and astronomer and astrologer. He invented the term the Great British Empire. And you know, astrologers held a very high place in royal courts right across Europe. But for instance, Dr. John Dee, whose work I think I'm fulfilling for him because he's one of my main spirit guides, I have to confess. Um, mm. He was one of the last great royal astrologers across across Europe. And then it all just fell from grace after that. So I heard, I heard that Ronald Reagan had 12 astrologers or something like that. Might well have done. Might <laughs> well have done. I think it yeah. is more used by certain leaders than they would admit because they would admit can. yes uh, i think so too so um in your videos or another question on, on that topic perhaps what do you think about uh, talking about newtonian times and the, the the time of reason the era of reason and so so on what do you think about the 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 accepted science sciences 
the mainstream accepted sciences about personality and personal growth, like psychology and behavioral, behavioral science. What's your view upon those? Well, uh, yes, I mean, I've had to study a lot of that and going through my, my astrology exams, and I think all of them are valid and they've all got a piece of it. Mm. Um, and even they, they lack something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and I have to say, and you know, gosh, for an astrologer to say this, um, I even think we need to expand and evolve the current astrology because that isn't going to be enough for the times that we're entering. So whether that means we have to expand the archetypes of the planets, which we know so well, which I use all the time in my, in my work, or whether we've got to stretch out to these deep space planets to bring in new qualities of consciousness. That's why I'm so excited about researching those, because that's where we're at. You know, we are evolving as beings through physics and cosmology. That's undeniable and it's unstoppable. So something has to give, something has to stretch to give yeah. us a bigger experience and a bigger understanding of our reality because it's been way too limited. You know, we've lived in a very 3D way where we feel like so often the rubber hitting the road, external events, you think, poor me, and why me? And there we go again, I'm always a loser. You know? And that kind of um, experience detaching the outer from the inner and taking any responsibility for the inner. And what I try, I'm on a bit of a rant here, but what I try and do in my client sessions is yeah. explain that the outer can only occur as a reflection of the inner pattern and frequency. Pattern is set in your birth chart, frequency is your choice, your latitude. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get to fiddle with the radio dial and turn our frequency up. But in helping them understand that external reality is just a mirror, an exact mirror match to your own internal pattern and frequency. And if they get that clearly, which hopefully they do, then our task is raising our frequency to have a totally different experience externally. And I know mm. you understand that, Anders, very well. Mm. Wonderful. Yes, I think I do. <laughs> So in your videos, or at least the videos that I watch, you uh, talk at length uh, about the potential for, for important events globally in the collective, uh, which I love since I am a bit obsessed with uh, the development of, of humankind. And to give the listeners an idea of how powerful this so-called mundane astro astrology, is that the word? Mundane yeah. astrology? Which doesn't yeah. mean boring. It means Mundus world. <laughs> yeah, Mundus is world. Yes, uh, exactly. It could mean something else, but it just means <laughs> global astrology. I don't know. I mean, the, the word is mundane. Yeah. So it can be very powerful. And I can say that I've heard a number of astrologers, uh, or I've heard a number of astonishingly correct predictions of general patterns in the world over the last couple of years. And a couple of examples are these. Before 2020 started, most serious astrologers agreed that this year, 2020, was going to be pretty wild, starting in January. And we all know what unfolded. And in your book, Pam, you write in June of 2017 that 2020 was to be a very pivotal year with major changes in the structures of society, quote unquote, a feeling of things coming to a peak. And you wrote, this is wonderful. We will think of how life was before 2020 and then how it is after. 
I think you know, I don't, re- I don't remember yeah. I wrote that. It's there. I just read it today. <laughs> I don't remember. And, and, there's, and there's more. And there's more before you answer this uh, or talk about this. Uh, in a video on the, I think, the 2nd or 3rd of January, you said that you saw signs that there was still more turmoil to expect around the, United, the U.S. election. Sure enough, the Washington Capitol was taken over by a Trump mob on January 6th. And as we record this, there is more, many people are talking about more violence and turmoil can be expected before the inauguration day on the 20th. So uh, talk about this. Uh, well, I don't remember I wrote that. That's quite remarkable. Oh, you did, and it's, it's brilliant. You said that we are in the biggest evolution of humanity in approximately 12,000 years. So what are the energies of these times? What, what is it with 2020 and 2021? Wow. Okay. So a, a lot to say here. I think what's important. 30 seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I think what's important to say here is that every archetype of each planet is like a multifaceted diamond. So you have to stick with the core of the archetypes when you, I, I'm trying to be very strict about this in writing about astrology because it is um, symbolically accurate it is not executionally accurate and what i mean by that is the archetypes energy qualities of the planets will always play out but you can't guess at exactly how it will manifest in terms of events and experiences because that is down to the consciousness either of the individual or the collective because we will manifest our reality our our astrology in different ways depending on our level of consciousness I Does think nobody matter? actually pinpointed uh, the pandemic. Uh, Not to my knowledge. We knew it was going to be very tough. So, so have I explained that well enough, Anders? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. So it, it, latitude in, in execution, but always accurate in terms of symbolism. It's a bit so, like meteorology, actually. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So we had this very um, kind of tough conjunction, 12th of January, as you know, 2020 between Saturn and Pluto. Saturn and Pluto tend to come into hard aspects. And by that, I mean the conjunction, the opposition and the square when times are tough. You know, if we go back to the 1930s, 1933 to 35, very tough, Great Depression, hard aspect between Saturn and Pluto. 9-11, opposition between Saturn and Pluto. 2020, conjunction between Saturn and Pluto that was exceptionally tough because it was in Capricorn and Saturn rules Capricorn. So that strengthened it. Now, always historically, this um, these hard aspects are about hard times, austerity, additional control, rules and regulations, clampdowns, top-down authority. Um, but also at the same time, in, in all this kind of locking down and contraction, there's another quality which is part of Pluto in Capricorn because Pluto has a 248-year orbit. It moves very slowly, so it spends 20, 30 years in a sign. It is always about deconstructing the qualities of the sign that it moves through. So as well as the very obvious hard times, rules, regulations, you know, top-down um, control from governments, at the same time, Pluto moving through Capricorn is talking about the deconstruction of 
top-down government, top-down corporations, institutions, authorities, whatever, you know, big, powerful organizations are telling you what to do. It will be, and that is continuing until really 2024, certainly the next three years, because it doesn't get out of Capricorn fully until 2024. Pluto is going to stay in Capricorn. Yeah, it starts to move out a little bit into Aquarius in 2023, but it kind of goes back and forth, back and forth, doesn't move fully out till 2024. So that is the big, big context. So within this very tight year of constraint, at the same time, Pluto will reveal any corruption, any wrongdoing, any lack of integrity, transparency, accountability, on the part of those powerful leaders or big institutions. It will reveal that. And that in turn will accelerate the collapse of the old order because no longer will they seem like they have our best interests at heart, they are trusted leaders, they always care for us, da 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 da. All of that mm-hmm. will, is crumbling and will increasingly crumble over the next three years. I think that's exactly what we are seeing, actually, in many places. So, and we're in an accelerated unraveling, particularly over the next few months of seeing that. And the, the reason that will occur is that many truths will come to light. As yeah. we move into more planets being in Aquarius, Jupiter, Saturn now have moved into Aquarius out of Capricorn, that puts the momentum from the past into the future, but it also is the the sign of truth. Truth, disclosure, integrity, you know, we've got to come clean. So what will accelerate this unraveling, which is the really, really big kind of first layer on the canvas, is truths coming to light. Uh, Am I being clear here? So (laughs) so that's that's what we're into. So, 2021, I see really as a year of transition, of there's still strong, strong attempts at um, control. And this is going to come in waves, but equally there are bursts of revolution towards the new. And the whole tension I've mentioned in the last couple of videos, this huge tension between um, every planet actually every planet you look at like is sort of under tension but it's a clash really of the old and the new the control and the freedom the elitism versus the egalitarianism so this is Uranus versus uh, Saturn absolutely Mm -hmm. Uranus the big the big big Saturn Pluto conjunction sort of ended at the end of last year the main aspect going into 2021 which we have already Mm -hmm is Saturn square Uranus. Mm. By the way, that can bring up a huge amount of economic turbulence, financial turbulence, stock markets, just very volatile Mm. all over the place. But this is very interesting because this kind of message of the old and the new control and freedom is repeated over and over again, because for instance, Saturn is the old, the way things have always been, it's to do with control, rules and regulations, but it's in Aquarius, the sign Mm. of the new. Yeah. which is ruled by Uranus. Yeah. And Uranus is, as I say, the ruler of Aquarius, and it's the revolution, the bursting through of the galactic, the, the high-level mind, the new, the future. It's the maverick that smashes up the old. If the old mm. is, is lacking, not supporting our future growth, it will just want to smash it all up. You know, it's the, it's the maverick, it's the breakthrough, breakdown to breakthrough. But that, for the next well, up to 2026 is sitting in Taurus, which is let's keep things as they are, don't rock the boat. 
So you have this extraordinary kind of conflict of energies and Saturn and Uranus are in square to each other, creating mm. tension and therefore action. Mm. So I think the whole of this year, it's a kind of one foot in the old, but increasingly one foot in the new and watching the accelerated collapse of the new. And the level to which we feel that 3D rubber hitting the road chaos, violence, social unrest, I think it's going to be on the 3D level, social unrest really all the way through to October. The degree to which we feel this, and this really isn't a cop-out, is our level of consciousness. Because if you're living at, at high frequency, somehow you're in a bubble and it doesn't really affect you. You're living in New Earth already, which isn't a place, it's a frequency. We can mm. step into that in any moment mm. if we can attain that frequency. And somehow circumstances just don't hit you. You know, you're in a situation where you may not be exposed to all the, the difficulty and the challenge and the control. Somehow you've just got yourself in a bubble where that's the situation. So the degree to which we are going to experience this collapse we, we can watch it on our eagle's perch, as I often talk about. We can observe it, but it may not affect you personally and directly if you can keep your frequency in a high enough place. So that's mm -hmm. our mastery for this year. That's where we've got to put ourselves. But the image I keep getting is green shoots emerging from the broken concrete. All right. And the green shoots are in abundance already. And I think many is that in a concrete sense that it might be about uh, f food production and, uh, and and a larger uh, aware awareness of, of uh, uh, the environment and things like that. Absolutely. Since Uranus is in Taurus, which is a very earthbound uh, sign. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know astrology quite well, actually. <laughs> you really do. So this is interesting because Taurus is agriculture, our food supply, our food resources. And Uranus is um, innovation, really. Mm. Now, you can take the shadow side of that and say, well, does that um, science in food production mean that there's going to be more genetically modified food? Well, that's possible. But it also means we're going to have innovation in actually going back to the simple, going back to the earth, making it organic, going back to natural principles. And I think that's a very strong wave that's happening right now, very strong zeitgeist. But they're also going to be innovations in that. I mean, there's some wonderful things happening where they're taking sort of very old warehouses and having kind of vertical agriculture where they're growing yeah, plants on different colored lights, depending on what those particular vegetables or plants need to accelerate their growth. And they're all being grown beautifully and organically in a huge disused warehouse. People are planting organic um, vegetables on their roofs. So it insulates their homes, but they can yeah. eat their roof as well. You know, it's happening a lot even in cities. They're planting you know, these wonderful organic gardens on the roofs of, of office buildings. So, you know, all of that forward momentum, which is we haven't had up to this point, um, mm. is actually very exciting in the way we can produce food enough to feed everyone without having to go via the, the GMO route, you know, the yeah. scientifically modified route. And there are small and fast cycles and there are big and slow cycles. You've been mentioning the, the planets that are orbiting the sun very, very, very slowly. And, and the biggest cycle of them all, perhaps, or uh, that we know of, is uh, uh, what we call the ages. And uh, we, we are the famed age of Aquarius, as we've been talking about since the 1960s, at least. Uh, some people say now, some astrologers say now that 
this is this is actually the time. This is the very time that we are when we are entering the age of Aquarius. I guess the 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 border is 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 a bit diffuse. It's a bit uh, blurry. It's, well, it certainly is because that <laughs> twenty five thousand eight hundred years is divided is yeah. divided into twelve signs. So it's yeah. two thousand one hundred fifty years per sign. So you can't really say, well, it happened last Tuesday. No. <laughs> you know, it's but just. Maybe- I mean, these major planets uh, being placed in, in the sign of Aquarius right now could be a sign, perhaps, that... It's Absolutely. A, We're shifting towards more Aquarian energy. You know, 2020, we had Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto, all in Capricorn. Now there's yeah. only Pluto left there. We've got Jupiter, Saturn moving into Aquarius. And I just put a video out a couple of days ago saying Chariclo, um, the wife of Chiron in myth, has also is just about at the end of January to move into Aquarius as well. And when we get to that, I mean, we've already got about five planets from memory in Aquarius. When we get to the new moon in Aquarius in early February, we will have, I think, seven planets in Aquarius. And that hasn't happened since, was it 1961 or 1962? That was really the kind of beginning of the hippie era. And and because Aquarius is very much about community and collaboration, you know, I don't know if you live, I certainly live through it. And I remember those days very well of peace and love and hippie communes and, you know, loving. And equality, egalitarianism, enough Mm. for all you know, moving away again from this, this, so that the, the hippie era in the 60s, which I loved so much, was actually the seeding point mm. for what we're starting to experience now. Mm. So we are moving into a time when we are going to move away from this top down, tiny elite with so much wealth, you know, we're going to move into um, a time which will last for many, many years of much more, not equality, but egalitarianism, that we, we, we get a greater sense of our own unique spark because Uranus that rules Aquarius is all about finding our individuality. So we're going to, because of our shifting consciousness, we're going to get an even greater idea of our unique essence because we're going to be developing more kind of superhuman skills as it were but at the same time we are going to get a much stronger idea of we are all in this together we are a global humanity we care for each other i think one of the things that the virus has brought up is compassion Mm. compassion empathy feeling for others and because of the shift that we're feeling kind of energetically I think we are going to be much, much, people are feeling it already, much more psychically sensitive, much more able to tune into how other people are feeling in their grief, in their sadness, in their poverty, you know, whatever, and really think, gosh, I just so want to help them. I'm not interested in investing in in stocks and shares to make a profit. I want to do something altruistic, philanthropic to help the world. What, What can I do to make this a better world? What part, mm. So I think our value, Uranus in Taurus values, I think our values have already shifted radically in 2020. Mm. We'll continue to all through the early 20s because we will shift from yuppie-dum and, you know, buying stuff and I'm here to make a profit to I'm here to care for others. Yeah. More humanism, more Aquarian way of thinking. Totally, totally. And you also talk a lot about the United States, and some listeners uh, <laughs> react on that. But but you have explained that there is a reason for that, and I think it has a lot to do with Pluto. Can you explain a little bit about why why the United States 
is so important right now. What's happening? Yeah, there? it's really hot right now. Well, it doesn't need an astrologer. To not just, you. not just, not just the election of Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah, but from an astrological point of view. So, when the Declaration of Independence was signed, essentially Fourth of July, seventeen seventy-six, that was really the, the so-called birth of America. And there's a birth chart for that time. Uh, 10 past five in the afternoon, Philadelphia, which m most astrologers use. Certainly that to me is a fabulous, highly responsive chart. <clears throat> so that is the chart, the sort of the birth chart of the US. Now, at that time in 1776, Pluto was at 27 degrees of Capricorn. Mm. Pluto has approximately a 246, 248 orbit. It varies very slightly because it's elliptic, elliptical. But Pluto is essentially coming back to its natal place. It's currently in the heavens at 23 degrees of Capricorn, but it's, you know, it's coming down the line. It's tracking back to that 27 degrees of Capricorn, which will happen exactly next year, 2022. But we're feeling it already. It's about power issues. And really, because natal Pluto falls in the second house of that birth chart of America, that is about the economy, but it's also about the country's values. Mm -hmm. So a big part of the, I don't know if people have defined it this way, but it's really about who are we as America? <clears throat> what are our values? You know, we've had a pretty iffy history with slavery and racism and da 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 and that, you know, racism still continues. What are our values going forward? This is a rebirth of America mm -hmm. that we're going through essentially. So what you're seeing in current times, and the astrology is absolutely blinding right now, it's so wild, hardly ever seen astrology like this, is it's all part of that bigger picture of the deconstruction of the old order. So I think if we can see it in those terms, that whatever kind of tough stuff is coming at you day to day on the street in the news, that is the bigger context. And I think it's very helpful to keep that in mind. So something has to fall and collapse in order for the new to be born. That's So I think that's very true globally, but America is kind of leading the way in this because whatever happens with this election is going to be much more influential on the whole earth the whole world than it ever has been in any other election mm. that's why i tend to focus on and also the the chart of the us is being triggered pretty heavily at the moment as you might imagine yeah death and rebirth scorpionic energy uh, and on the very day of the inauguration the 20th something important is happening as well astrologically it yeah. is <laughs> okay so okay so Uranus is the planet of earthquakes and revolutions. And so it's sitting at six degrees of Taurus. Now for over the last six months, Mars has been tracking through its own sign of Aries, the warrior. And so that has been stirring up a lot of trouble on the streets in many, many countries. It hasn't been covered in mainstream media, but there've been huge protests, riots. I'm sure you're, you're aware of those Anders. So yeah. on the 6th of January, Mars also moved into Taurus. Now it's still kind of five degrees away from Uranus, but nevertheless, that is considered an acceptable orb for a conjunction. So, you know, we're, so I felt that from the 6th of January, that signature when Mars and Uranus come together, if you study 
when exactly earthquakes and volcanoes happen, you normally see a hard aspect between Mars and Uranus because Uranus is the plant of eruption and Mars energizes the eruption. And particularly when it's in Taurus, which is the Earth. So it's an absolutely, it is the classic signature for real live volcanoes and earthquakes. But of course, in the context we're in at the moment, it is Might be political, um, political earthquakes as well. Political earthquakes. So I felt that as soon as Mars entered the sign of Taurus, getting very close to Uranus, we would start to see massive eruptions, particularly in the US. And it doesn't need me to go over what happened on the 6th. So <laughs> no, Mars is currently. Massive. Mm. Mars is currently getting closer and closer and closer, and it becomes absolutely exact on the 20th of January. Okay. So now I'm not sure the inauguration is going to happen that day. I did a, an astro analysis for my newsletter subscribers back on the 5th, 6th of September. And I said, and, and that, that analysis is still holding true, I have to say. But I said in there, if the inauguration happens on that day. Yes, I heard that. I heard that, yeah. So, you know, let's see what, what unfolds. But on that day, if it does happen, if I look at the chart set for Washington, D.C., 12 noon um, um, on the 20th, it is just absolutely extraordinary chart. Because, yes, we've got this, this Mars-Uranus conjunction, but at that time, Uranus is actually on the ascendant. Now, when planets come onto the angles of the chart, they express much more strongly. So you want to see volcanoes and earthquakes? Okay, you're going to see them big time. Riots, social unrest, people angry, erupting, da 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 all of that. Pluto, the planet of power, power battles, power issues, comes onto the midheaven, which is in a, in this case would be the government, the leader. So mm -hmm. strong power battles around the leader. <laughs> this is all pretty obvious to see, isn't it? But also you've got um, the Sun, Jupiter and Saturn in square to that Mars-Uranus aspect. So this is all about um, really expanding that Mars-Uranus eruptive earthquake quality explosive it, energies explosive energies in addition to that at that time and for two hours after that the moon is at what's called the anoretic degree it's at the 29th degree of aries now mm. whenever a planet is at the anoretic degree the last degree of the sign 29th degree it tends to exhibit the um the shadow side the less positive side of that sign the moon is the people aries at its Worst is about anger, impulse, aggression, fight, kicking off. So the people are going to be angry. Mm. So it's a very clear picture if I look at the chart for that time. So if it happens, then <laughs> it is fair to say it will not go perfectly smoothly. And so I, maybe uh, Donald Trump gets another four years. And there will be surprise. many twists and turns there will be many, many twists and so i mean as we speak there is an, a second impeachment process unfolding in in the congress so yeah I it's think, really crazy yeah indeed and i think over the next just the next two weeks hang mm. on to your hats i think mm. we are going to see the most extraordinary unfolding many mm. twists and turns and the other thing i'd say is because transiting neptune is in this long-term square to the nodal axis and that becomes exact on the 28th of january but and it's really exact this month that is just going to be layers of truth and untruth truth and untruth you think you've got the truth nah, uh, now you haven't the people you trusted nah, uh, they're not the goodies <laughs> they're the baddies yeah you got caught again the people yeah. you thought were the heroes or the zeros they're the losers <laughs> so 
we have to stay extremely objective, very discriminating, using our intuition, and and actually even to the point, because to me, there's so much noise. And if you get attached to any particular polarized narrative, that may not be helpful because your reference point becomes external. So to me, you're always leaking away power to the external narrative. So if your guy isn't all of a sudden today looking good because he's going to be impeached or, you know, is he not? Is he going to, yes, no, yes, no. Your power, the sense of how much power you have will depend on that narrative. So if he's impeached, boy, your frequency goes right down. Mm. So for me, we have to raise ourselves above whatever the noise is in whatever country you're in and say, my my centre is where my power lies. I observe, I don't attach to it, I can watch it unfold like a movie, but my power stays neutral, strong. This is where I have my mastery. Because as soon as I'm looking to the external to give me the result that I want, you're in trouble, you're leaking power. Mm. Does that make sense? Put, of course, I yeah, know. what we put our focus on, we will have, we will get. So, and we're energizing we're that timeline. Yes, mm. you know. So, if it's a negative, oh, I'm really scared. I'm re- so many people writing to me all day long, terrified. I'm in crisis. I'm in meltdown. You've got to help me. If we're if we're energizing the timeline mm. we don't want by our worry, that is the worst that, possible that's, thing. You're that's strength. the timeline you're going to get. Yes, of course. You know yeah. what we focus on, we get more of. So, and it's such a simple principle, but we get caught out every time as human beings, don't we? Yeah. Wise words. Wow. So when all this has, uh, has uh, transpired and uh, we hopefully uh, enter February and March uh, unscathed or as, as unscathed as possible after all these uh, eruptive and explosive energies, where do you think humankind will be in a couple of decades from now. I won't say a hundred years. Wow. Wow. Well, let me say say 20 years. Wow. 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 Well, let me just sort of cover just the sort of next few months to give people some, (laughs) give people some, (laughs) you know, otherwise it'll be very sorry. I think um, February will still be pretty turbulent. I think late March, particularly from the solstice onwards, we're going to get the spring solstice. We're going to get another big wave of energy like we had in, on December 21st, and people will feel that, another evolutionary wave. Um, and then, so I think that will get easier. And I think particularly from May through to the end of July, when Jupiter moves out of Aquarius into Pisces, Jupiter is the ancient ruler of Pisces. So that's a very comfortable kind of mystical place for it to be. And then I think things will ease up there as well. So it isn't all this bad all year because we'd all, you know, <laughs> really, I think. It's, sort of- it's the first half of the first two months, really. And then it's uh, the first half. And then the second half is going to be better than us. A, le- a little better. Yes. Yeah. So, second mm-hmm. half better than the first. And it'll go in waves through the year. And yeah. you feel you can be making a lot of progress. And then at times you'll feel, oh, I'm, you know, plateauing. Then another wave. It'll be like that sort of evolutionary waves, which is partly dependent on the cosmology and the physics. You know, this new energy coming in. For us. Where will we be in 20 years? My goodness gracious. Well, I think we will have a much stronger sense of being galactic citizens. I think we will easily be able to teleport or um, in whatever way, you know, travels just simply won't be an issue. I mean, already, even a few years ago, a flying car 
has been developed, which is extremely expensive right now, that you can kind of drive it along the roads to a field or whatever, and then just take it off vertically and, you know, can take a whole family and off you go. So the, the flying car is already here. I think people may be even flying individually with jetpacks on their back, you know, a la sort of sci-fi movies of long ago. So the whole issue about rules and regs around travel may simply disappear. I think we will be much more crystalline in our being rather than carbon by then, maybe even diamond by then. But we will for sure be more wave and less particle. Um, we will be, we will lose a sense of time. Everything will just be in the now moment. Um, there will be no need. We will use calendars in in twenty forty. No, no, I don't. We I won't mean, even call it twenty forty. Maybe we will call it something else. Yeah, that's sort <laughs> call of it nothing. Time. I mean, it's a real, you know, this. Do you know, the naughtiest thing I did as a child, and I remember it so clearly, is I, I borrowed a, a, a book from the library just called Time, mm. and I never took it back. I read it <laughs> that was naughty. 50 times. And it's quite yeah. funny because at the age of seven, if you know your astrology, that's the first Saturn return. And Saturn, of course, is Kronos, linear oh, yeah. time, chronology, yeah. which is quite yeah. funny, isn't it? So I never took the book back. And astrologers, of course, are so you know, precise, neurotic almost, like you've got to have the exact time of birth to get the I exact know, time, make yeah. it work. But does time really exist? What, what's that going to do to astrology? That's, because that's a very interesting question. Yeah, really. I mean, well, the energies are still there, of course, so we have to, to pinpoint them in a different way, I guess. Because some of the techniques I use are based on clock time, transits of the planets around the heavens, linear time. Other techniques I use, which are very powerful, are based on organic unfolding they're not uh -huh. really tied to linear time they're an organic unfolding of you depending on the moment when you were born and then watching that unfold not very tied to linear time and they are very powerful so it may be that more of those aspects become more important in our our future astrology moving forwards i don't think we'll have any need for uh medicines as we know it that these days or those nice injections or any of that, we will be able just to heal ourselves. We'll understand plant medicine. You may be aware, Anders, about med beds that currently exist, but they're not widely available publicly. They're essentially light capsules. So you can go into them and they can cure cancer, leukemia, anything in minutes. They can reverse your aging. And so medicine of the future, I believe, is all going to, again, we're back to frequency, is all going to be based on, on light, frequency, and sound. We're going to go back to those principles. So, you know, you could look at the medical structure we have today and say, well, where will that be in 20 years time? If I'm looking where the South Node is in uh, Sagittarius right now, which is the past meant to fall away from us. That rules education. It rules the law. What will those structures be like? as we move through the coming years. I think all of it, so here when I talk about the collapse of the old order, I'm not just talking about governments or leadership structures. I'm actually talking about the structures that we've known as foundational in our lives, education, yeah. the legal system, you know, everything really, the mm. medical system. Mm. All of those, I think, um, are going to change radically, radically as we get into um, 2020. As I say, I think we'll just be able to think ourselves there and um, and be there in a different place. We'll be able to telepathically connect to many other galactic races. Um, we will be able to live for very extended periods of time. 
Um, and there will be this blending quality, I think, that will come in, you know, blending with other humans to feel compassion, um, blending with animals, blending with trees, blending with nature, just feeling at one with all of the universe in a much more sacred way than we have ever done in our lifetimes up to now. We've lived a very 3D existence really up to now. Yeah. And this is, we're talking about 20 years from now. So this means that uh, the vast majority of people alive today will experience this that you are talking about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can reverse our age, I'll start all over again and do it better next. <laughs> this sounds, all sounds, sounds wonderful. Uh, humanity in wave form more than in... Humanity in waveform, and I think it's going to happen quickly. Mm. We've moved this Saturn, this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, not Saturn-Pluto, that's different, that's last year. Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which happened this year, uh, sorry, happened at 21st of December, happens yeah. regularly as clockwork every 20 years, but it essentially happens within the same element for 200 years. So for the last 200 years, apart from once in... 1981, ducked into Libra, but essentially for the rest of those 200 years in the past, it's happened in earth signs, density, materialism, mm. stuff, houses, bricks and mortar. It is mm. now, as of 21st of December last year, happening in air signs. That's quick. Everything's fast. It's different. Yeah, mm. Lickety split. It's air. It's ether. It's not heavy and weighty and slow. So I think the evolution of humanity, once more people wake up, is going to happen just far faster than we can ever imagine. Yes. Bring it on, I say. I'm I, I, I'm an Aquarius rising, so I, I have it in me. Brilliant. <laughs> yes. So you will have had Jupiter and Saturn just moving over your um, ascendant if you're early Aquarius. Yes. So uh, well, whole... yeah, my sun sign is Leo, but I, I, my ascendant, my, my rising sign is Aquarius. So what degree do you remember? Remember what degree? Eleven. Okay, so... I think it's eleven, eleven actually. Oh, wow. Okay. So cool. Specially yeah. selected. Okay. I think it's eleven, eleven. So yeah. in February, early February, first half of February, you will have Jupiter moving over your ascendant which okay. is the beginning of a 12-year period of personal growth for you. And that personal growth, I mean, it could be travel, but it's more likely to be higher consciousness travel, metaphysics, mm. interrelationship with the universe. It will be an expansion of your consciousness. And you'll feel it as well. It's almost like stepping into the sunshine. You can feel more people coming into your life who can expand your consciousness and give you, you know, like jump leads. You've got to meet so-and-so. There'd be a great contact for you. But it's <laughs> feeling of your world being bigger and then late march early april so that's a 12-year cycle late march early april you have saturn coming over your ascendant which is the beginning of a 29 and a half years i know yes i'm looking forward to the to saturn leaving my 12th house because i've, I've, yes, had, I've had it hard. there it's been good but it's been like i i have been you know hibernating a little bit uh, oh, and, it's and, very and, good uh, for that the dissolution working. of the old self yeah, yeah. Mm. Great for <laughs> writing books, you know, meditating. All the, but when Saturn comes over that ascendant, that's a whole new you, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Mm. And you decide who the new you is when it comes over that ascendant. And you may feel over the coming two and a half years that there's almost like a, a guiding hand coming into your life to direct you to particular areas of interest that yeah. will become long-term very important for you. It has been a lot like that, actually, for the last two and a half years. It's, it's actually, 
it's been in this in, in my 12,000 a little shorter this time than last time I, I understand but uh, it's about two years well anyway this is not this is not about me <laughs> it was a lot about my my personal uh, development and evolution here but um, I want I want the audience to know where can they find your uh, your work you and your work Pam okay okay so it's my website is pamgregory.com that's the shorthand. And um, I have uh, my books there for sale. I also have some teaching videos for sale. I write a very long, about 7,000 word monthly newsletter, often about global events. I'll certainly be writing about what's unfolding in the US in yeah. the February newsletter. That comes up every month. It's very inexpensive. It's 15 pounds roughly for the year, which is about 18, $19 for the year. So. Uh, and I, as I say, I, I write a lot. So that's a, a good place for information. Um, I'm afraid to say, uh, I'm afraid to say just um, in terms of the website, because people are missing it, I'm not offering any client consultations in 2021, because I've been working seven days a week for as many years as I can remember. And I, it's just unsustainable, because I want to create time to research these deep space planets. So I'm very sorry about that. But there are lots of other excellent um astrologers out there. I also do a lot on social media. Um, I've got a very active YouTube channel, which is just Pam Gregory Astrology on YouTube. I'm probably going to be adding on brand YouTube to that very soon. I'm very active on Facebook and I'm probably going to be migrating to other <laughs> platforms as I think many of us are. Um, but that will become apparent. So I do a lot. I write about two or three quite long posts a week on social media, currently Facebook, but, you know, we'll be migrating and MeWe as well. Um, so that's really the, the, the span of it. But I put out a lot of information through um, through each week. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for this wonderful conversation, Pam Gregory. Let's hope that more people would discover the gems and the gems of wisdom and knowledge that astrology contains. Wonderful. I've, I've so enjoyed this, this conversation and as it's really been, it's, it's, it's pushed me in, in ways that I've absolutely loved because it helps me make other connections as well. So I, I really want to thank you and, and for your own Love knowledge. Love to hear it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.